Bibles to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 16. And I do want to especially give thanks to the Lord. You know, Pastor Fabian just mentioned that this new equipment is going to be installed this week. And um, I, I remember when the Lord was saying, you know, we needed to take this step and the significant amount of funds that were there that um, needed to be uh, needed to be I don't want to say raised but contributed um, I I just knew that God was going to do it and he did and I again I want to join the thanks that Pastor Fabian just mentioned um, it's a it's a wonderful thing to know that as it's being installed that it's that it's paid for and I just I just want to give thanks to the Lord for that because he's faithful and we haven't gotten up here and harangued people and beat them over the head and sent out done letters and all kinds of other things. God just did it. And so we, we speak blessing over all of you for your faithfulness to pray and for whatever it is that God asked you to do and you did it. Um, this, is a, this is a miracle thing. And, you know, some not too many days ago, the Lord put it in my heart strongly that I needed to go out and um, visit our our church family in in Arizona and it's the first ministry trip that I've taken in a year and a half and that's significant and I I felt the Lord wanted me to do it and and I also believe that God's going to do something about this horrific drought and um, incredible heat that's out there in the west but little did I know that um, on that weekend would be the first weekend of the new equipment. So uh, I believe the Lord's in that as well. And we hope, don't hold us to this, because we, we still need to be trained in this equipment, but we hope to be able to exercise the new equipment and link in in some way from there. And um, I think that's just uh, the way God moves. It's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. So again, thank you. But mostly, thank you, Father, because uh, you said to do it, and uh, you provided. So, and I, I just want to say before we read the word that uh, whatever things God has promised you, uh, it may seem impossible. It may seem, how in the world are you going to do this? But hold fast to what God has said. And you just don't know how... Um, how it's going to happen, but he's going to be faithful. And it, it's been the way it is in this life. You know, we were in Sunday school, and Ben was uh, making a, a statement about the necessity to, to hear from the Lord and how to do that. And um, it's it really is a walk of faith. You stay and commune with him, with the Lord, and he will put something in your heart to do, and you make sure that it's him. And he's never failed us, has he? In everything that we have followed the Lord in, he didn't tell us the end from the beginning. I mean, it's like that first miracle that Jesus performed with the water into the wine. Those folks that had to labor to fill those water pots, they didn't have an advanced copy of the Scripture that says, okay, if you do this, you know, he's going to do this and this and this. And um, they just obeyed. And then the miracle uh, progressed. So let's just believe that whatever it is that God has promised you, 
He knows how to fulfill it. And if you will partner with him, great things can happen. Amen? So here we are, and uh, it's July 4th, so I will do my very best to be concise, uh, but I do feel that the Lord wants us to have a message uh, about, um, well, really it's about division uh, and how that is uh, an attack of the enemy that tries to stop grace, but uh, we've entitled this message, E Pluribus Unum. And so uh, I'll talk about that in just a second. But Romans 16, beginning at verse 17, we'll read through verse 20. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf. But yet I would have you be wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. You know, if you were to look at um, a coin from the United States Mint or um, recognize the American Charter of Independence, you'll see that part of it was this motto, E Pluribus Unum, which means out of many, one. And this term was really popularized, this Latin term was popularized in England uh, in, the, in the early 1700s by a French Huguenot that had uh, escaped from the tyranny of the war between the Catholics and the Huguenots in France. And so many Huguenots went into uh, England, and many of them, by order of the King of England, were permitted to come here to the United States. And um, this man in England was so grateful to have freedom uh, that uh, he started a publication where largely there could be many different Christian voices that were contributing uh, things that God was doing, good things. And he put a magazine together, and at the base of the magazine it was E Pluribus Unum, which I think is interesting, out of many, one. And then... As the United States was making that long march toward the Declaration of Independence in 1776, um, those French voices once again were speaking very succinctly to Jefferson and to Franklin and to so many others. I read a book last year about the, the influences of, of the French just in secret meetings throughout Philadelphia and throughout Boston with our leaders, and they would come together and they would speak, and many times they would pray. And there was a man whose uh, last name was Similier, or Similier, I do not understand what you're saying. <laughs> if Luke was here, he could pronounce that better for me, but he insisted that when you put this, this, uh, this seal of the United States together, that you include e pluribus unum. 
because there are going to be many voices that come together to form a, a perfect union. And so they did, and that's been a part of our national charter since those days. But I think it's very interesting that it was popularized by a Frenchman who believed in religious freedom. And so many of the Huguenots were part of the revolution. You know, we, we, uh, we know about Paul Revere. Listen, my children, and you shall hear of the midnight ride of Paul Revere. Well, Paul Revere was Paul Revoir, and he was a Huguenot. His family came over as Huguenots, people that were Protestant, people who believed in the move of the Spirit of God, and he escaped the attacks, uh, the murderous attacks in those wars that ravaged Europe. And um, I'm just very grateful that that term was there. Now, we also see in God we trust, and that that was uh, really not part of the nomenclature of the United States until basically 1864 during the Civil War after um, you know, the Battle Hymn of the Republic was adopted by the Union armies and there was a very strong sense that the glory of God was what was leading that conflict toward a greater good. And there was pressure put upon the government to begin to stamp in God we trust and they did it on a two cent coin. You ever hear about put my two cents worth in? 1864, that two cents coin was the first time that in God we trust was emblazoned on anything. It really wasn't uh, instituted into the currency until the mid-1950s. That's hard to believe, isn't it? But the one thing that was ingrained was that there were many voices, many peoples that could come together. And through that perfect union, or through that imperfect union, that union there could be something good. And, and I believe that if there were a day, was ever a day where we as Christians needed to lay claim to that, it's at a time where there are so many voices advocating division in our nation. You think about um, how division is just everywhere. It's just everywhere. You know, you've got political division. You've got religious division. You've got the attempts to divide uh, people of color from one another. You've got divisions in speech. It's just everywhere you look, there is a measure of division. And I, I believe this, that even though that is repulsive to me as, America, as an American, somebody who has loved the study of history all my life, and somebody who basically grew up through some of the most tumultuous times our nation ever had. And uh, to hear people talk now, it's as if this country is still living in 1800, and it's not. God has blessed this land. God has worked miracles just in my lifetime that are profound. And I think I told you, and this is not the sermon for today, but when I, when I was just a little boy, we didn't have any real money. We didn't. My parents were uneducated. We, we, I didn't know we weren't, we didn't have money, but I, because I was always happy. But um, we, we were raised, I was born, and we lived in the projects. And then my dad moved closer to the mill where he lived in just a little two-bedroom house with five kids. And um, all of 90% of my classmates through grade school were African-American kids. And I love that. 
taught me all those Motown songs that I sing to make your mom laugh. But um, I remember the, the neighbor next door was old Mr. Holly. He was an African-American man, and he, uh, he's probably not much older than I am now, but he was old Mr. Holly back then. And I remember his granddaughter, Candace, would spend a lot of time there, and she and I were playmates together. And I remember spending a lot of time in, in his living room, and he had, a, he had a much nicer TV than we had at our house. And I remember seeing Walter Cronkite, and I remember seeing Huntley and Brinkley, and I remember seeing a lot of the things in the civil rights marches, and I remember seeing uh, Dr. King's messages and a lot of the other things that happened. I didn't understand them all, but I saw them sitting on a couch with a little black girl in the home of, of a man that had seen a lot more challenging times than, than I could ever imagine. And I see what's happened since then and the wonderful strides and the wonderful progress. We're not perfect yet, but this, these are miracles that God has wrought. And, but I see division rising up and in so many different ways. Um, I, and I believe that um, if you study the Scripture, you find that division is usually something that tries to assert itself before a major step of grace. In fact, grace in itself is a form of division. It's a godly division. Grace is kind of like what Abraham said, and Dennis so humorously and, and intelligently spoke about that today. Uh, Abram had to come out from a certain place and follow the Lord. That's kind of a godly division. It was done without malice, but it set the stage then for him to walk forward into something new. You can't, you can't walk into something new while clinging to something old. You can build upon it and walk with it, but there is a measure of break and division. You know, the, even the birth of the church was formed when they were all with one accord in one place. And we talk about unity, and that's important. But division preceded that. You say, show me where that is, Pastor. Well, there were over 500 people that saw Jesus ascend into heaven who heard what he told them to do and also heard the angels say, you go, get, get going. Why stand ye gazing? There were one-fourth of them left in that upper room, which kind of follows the equation of Jesus with the parable of the, of the seed and the soils, where there were four different types and only one bore the fruit that lasted. So there had to be some kind of, what well, it may not have been acrimonious, but there was some kind of falling away. There was some kind of division before that point of unity came and an agreement and accord and then the wonderful outpouring of the Spirit of God. So you find that over and over again in Scripture. But it's like the enemy tries to stop the move of grace by bringing a, a, a preemptive, a, an intended preemptive strike of division. And then how you react in that point you either react acrimoniously or in defeat, or you hold on and move forward. The enemy comes in one way before he has to flee in seven. We don't like for the enemy to come in one way. I'm not inviting him to come in one way. But it so often is the case. 
that some attempt for division comes before a great move of the Spirit in grace. And you can either become, and we've studied grace a lot, you can become better or bitter. Those who fail in grace become bitter, and they create a root of bitterness that can defile many. But grace goes forward, and grace goes into the new. And so I see this division that is trying to attack our country, and I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. It infuriates me in some ways, and then I have to pray some more, and I need to be, I need to be angry, but sin not. Seems I read that somewhere before. But these are signs of a great move of grace that is coming. And everywhere the enemy is trying to uh, signal measures of division, you should be targeting them for a great move of the Spirit of God. In fact, if, you know, regardless of your political affiliation, uh, the one wonderful thing that could be said about the past administration is that it did kind of make all of us aware of what was going on in this country. Suddenly out of the woodwork came all these voices that I didn't even know were there. And, you know, one of the blessings of the pandemic was that suddenly students on screens in their houses were, uh, were being taught things that the parents said, wait, what's that? What is this? So at every point where there seems to be a challenge, we must look beyond the challenge into in, a sight of what God is wanting to do. See, you are people of purpose, every one of you. And we need to begin to view every circumstance through the eyes of purpose and see for the joy set before you, which is how Jesus endured the cross, Seems I read that somewhere too. You need to be looking forward to what God is wanting to do. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. That, that stem winding verse there in Romans 16. And the God of peace shall crush Satan. You know, God of peace, that God who promises something, and is faithful to fulfill it, because that's what peace is. It's not some nirvana mindset. It's God has sent you out in shalom, and you will return in blessing. That's what peace is. There's no peace without a conflict and a triumph. The God of peace, the Prince of Peace, is always leading his people forward into a new stage of victory in him. So the God of peace is soon going to bruise Satan. We could talk about back in the Garden of Eden when uh, the prophecy came from the Lord about us crushing the head of Satan. But this word, bruise, here in the New Testament means to flatten something. It's, it's that also used, a bruised reed will he not crush or, or quench. And basically, it is shutting off what the enemy is trying to do, shutting off whatever the enemy 
is trying to achieve because, remember, that reed represents the jealousy of God. It's the conduit of how God moves in impossible ways. However the enemy is trying to circumvent that, he's going to be crushed. And it's going to happen soon, and I love this. We have Ali here from Mexico, and um, we're blessed to have you here today. But that word, remember, is tachos, soon, tachos. And it, it means that whatever you needed, whatever was, uh, was lacking, it's there. It's a suddenly. And I can really see how the, Latin, how the Hebrew went to the Greek and then into the Latin, and then it stumbled down into Spain and into Mexico, and they came up with tacos because, you know, it's, it's you're hungry, and you get it, boom, and it, you're, you're happy. It, I mean, it's there. Um, and um, that's where that term comes from, and it won't charge you any extra for that. But when God begins to move, it's, it's, it may seem like forever at times, but that's why patience is so important. But when God begins to move, it's usually a suddenly, and there it is. And you think, how did that happen? That's what God does with revivals. That's why it was suddenly on the day of Pentecost. That's why it's going to be suddenly with the second coming. That's why it's suddenly over and over and over again. You wonder, how long, Lord? And then, boom, God moves. The God of peace comes. And whatever the enemy has tried to do is crushed. Whatever the enemy tried to block in the way that God's grace is intending it comes suddenly. And we may be wondering, Lord, how in the world are you ever going to solve these things that we see every day in our country that don't seem to make any sense? The God of peace, the God of peace, suddenly will crush Satan under our feet, his feet. So we need to be faithful to stand. We need to be faithful to keep moving forward. And this is, this is just a wonderful promise. But what's all this talk about division beforehand? Let's see some of the things that the Apostle Paul says about division. Let's look at it here. Um, and we, we just read this, and I almost stopped a few times, but I'll, we'll just go through it again. Verse 17, mark them which cause divisions. Divisions here is a word that is, means to cause somebody to depart from the stasis, to cause somebody to depart from where they're supposed to be standing and what they're supposed to be doing in their histeme. You know, that's the ultimate agenda, to take as many people out of their assigned course from the Lord as possible. And that's why it's so imperative for us to continue to stand. And if you see those influences that try to drive you off from what God has called you to do, you mark them. It doesn't say you judge them, but you, there's a difference between judging and being aware. You know, I can see people do wacky things, and I, I can be so, oh, gee, you believe they've done that. Or I can mark them and say, well, I've got to stay away from that. And that's what Paul is saying. And mark them which cause divisions and, inf and offenses. This is a weird word. It's in Greek, scandalon. Do you ever hear about something that's scandalous or scandal? Seems like every day there's some new scandal that rocks the media. Oh, did you hear what they said? Oh, they did this. 
And then all the hoi polloi and all the media just erupts over this thing. It may probably not true at all. And of course, when they have to have a, 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 a recanting of that, it's, it's in two small font ses, uh, lines at the very end of the newspaper. But front page stuff can, is full of scandal. And it's usually some kind of a thing to convince you that you are a bad so-and-so, and you as a Christian, you're just horrible. And look at this country. It's a mess. Division and scandal on are tactics of the enemy that tries to stop what God is wanting to do. We need to mark that. The scriptures really say it clearly right here. It says that we should avoid them. We should find a, a way around them. It doesn't mean that you go and tell them off. It means you, you find a way around them because he that argueth with a fool is not doing a very good thing. I read that somewhere, too. Um, the simple. This is very interesting. Um, I would have you be wise unto that which good and simple concerning evil. Simple does not mean ignorant. Simple does not mean, oh, you know, I, I just don't know. Simple means unmixed. It means pure. And God says, that you should be wise, that you should be, verse 19, I would have you to be wise concerning that was good, which is good, and to make sure you don't mix yourself up with evil things. So interesting. So Paul says all of those things as a pretext to this verse that Leonard Jones sings, the God of peace. We like that one. But little do we see that it is the summation of a warning about the infiltration of division. Isn't that interesting? You know, one of the things we're going to be doing at one of the things we're going to be doing in September at our seminar is the Lord, as I've said many times, has been having me study a lot of very deep books uh, that basically tell about the scholastic and uh, the, the, um, the religious basis for a lot of what terms are floated out in the progressive church. And it's amazing to see how deep-seated the enemy has, uh, has, has laid out his plans almost braggingly about how there is not going to be uh, a church anymore. There's not going to be anything to do with God. And this is what's being taught in so many uh, major universities across this country. One of the, hard to believe that one of the bastions for this is Stanford. And you can see Rice University, you can see University of Chicago, you can see universities, major universities all over the country that in their religion department are advocating this. And they spell out very clearly what they mean. And then you see some, some progressive guy who writes and strokes intercessors goosebumps and says terms that sound, ooh, it sounds great. You want to see what those terms really mean, go to the basis of what scholastic writings are telling you, and it's as demonic as, as anything. But there is, there is an attempt to divide. The, the battle lines are being drawn in, in 
throughout Christendom. And the, the signs of a, of a pending move of some sort are all over our nation. And then you look, you look at uh, what's happening internationally. You know, one of the things I've learned about the study of mili uh, military history is that when you get a nation that's building up their military and beginning to beat their chest about expanding their borders and expressing that they're going to be the number one in the world, and uh, then they begin to say threatening things. Anybody hear uh, Premier President Xi's speech recently where he threatened to bash the heads of uh, anybody and bloody the head with the great iron wall of 1.4 billion Chinese people? I'm not speaking anything anti-Chinese, but they have said very clearly back in the back in the early 70s when when people seemed to really be careful, they said that any uh, that they you needed to be very careful of the, the that particular mindset of Marxism because there were five points that China had indicated they were going to infiltrate, and that through that they would change this nation, and through that they would be. Um, the, the dominant power in the world. And those five are this. Film, sports, education, business, and politics. The FBI knew that back in the 70s. In fact, this was very clear. The CIA knew that back in the 70s. And haven't we seen all five of those right now now, I'm not saying anything negative against the Chinese people, but what I'm saying is this. We can see the signs of division in our country, which is, which is something that I believe the enemy just keeps fomenting because he wants to stop the move of God that, um, that is coming. He's not going to stop it. It is coming, but you can see that. And you can see the geopolitical things, not just with China, but in the Middle East and, and in Russia and in Iran, ancient Babylon. And you, you see all these things. And you can see very clearly, if we are wise, that if there was ever a time that God needs his saints to be interceding and to not be blown about by every wind of doctrine, but to take seriously the time that God has caused us to be alive on this earth, it's now. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearful about anything. But we are as Issachar. We should understand the times and know what should be done. So I'm believing that there's a great breakthrough coming very soon. Uh, we already have been um, teaching many, many times a week in, uh, to nations around the world, and that's only going to increase now with this new equipment. We're, we're setting the stage for the many different uh, conventions and gathering points that are going to start happening monthly uh, when this door opens. God is mobilizing us to go into the fields of harvest and work while it is day, for the night comes when no man can, and that night is coming. But God is giving us a window, and, and we need to see things through the eyes of the Spirit of the Lord and recognize signs for what they are and look at things. And instead of saying, oh, woe is me, 
we should be saying, whoa, whoa, before the Almighty God, he's about to move. And that's what this division, as much as we don't like it, signifies. Let's look at two other passages of Scripture, and then I'll let you go on this holiday. It's just, just a few pages to the right. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Paul, again, writing about division. I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. This is a Lego that you are eating that same spiritual meat and you're being built up together in the deeper principles of the Word of God. That there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. You should mark and avoid anybody who's saying that all truth is God's truth. And you should be looking very clearly at what God is saying through his word to the saints. And know that. And don't let yourself be mixed up with a bunch of jargon that is hatched from the pit of hell. No matter how wonderful and touchy-feeling and goosebumpy it is. You know, the Bible says that in the last days there will be seducing spirits. Spirits that will be permitted to go and move for people who have itching ears. And seducing spirit is not a matahari. It's not that kind of thing. It means a peripheral pathway. And you can see the right pathway. It's right there. You say, it's another road. But seducing spirits are convincing those who are not on their guard and who will believe anything. That just sounds cool. You know, we read in Romans, it spoke about people whose God is their belly. Something within them wants to be placated. Their iniquities want to, to come to a point, and the enemy uses that, and then they begin to believe other things that aren't godly. We need to watch ourselves, and we need to not allow divisions to come, we need to speak the same thing, and we need to be perfectly joined in the same mind in the same judgment. These are things you do to withstand division. 1 Corinthians 11, the last passage we're looking at, verses 18 and 19. I'm almost there. It's probably up on the screen already. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. Why would Paul partly believe it? Because grace was about to be poured out. There must also be heresies among you that they which are approved may be made manifest. Let's, in closing, look at what this means. Do you know that the root for Heresy, the root that's translated as heresy, is disunion. Isn't that something? Disunion. Disunion comes, according to what Paul says, under the anointing of the Spirit. Let's read it again. There must also be heresy, disunion, coming against you, that they which are approved. You know what that means? Those who are tested and those who are verified. And then subsequently to be promoted. That those that are approved may be manifest among you. 
Do you know, right now, God is looking at his people, and he's allowing all of us to experience a lot of things. We've been walking in his presence. God's been blessing. We testified about that and rejoiced about that recently. Tremendous miracles, wonderful things have already begun to happen. Over and over again, God has been showing himself strong. We, we don't lack anything. We are blessed. We're preserved. The, the fields are white before us. It's an exciting moment. There's so much to be done that I, I'm asking the Lord, oh God, you know, you, you, I feel like the guy that, that, that represents the Lord in that, in that parable. He goes out and finds those standing idle in their histemi. Come and help. Come and help. So we're not saying, oh, woe is us. We're saying the fields are white in front of us. We're lifting up our eyes. We're going forward. But yet there are a lot of things that are happening. I've detailed some of them. And we don't lament and go into some form of dismay. We certainly don't react and overreact in the natural in a negative way. But these things are happening so that God can cause you to be tested. What are you going to do in the midst of things that come and stroke your iniquity? What are you going to do when things come that cause you maybe to be afraid? What are you going to do when things come and you see disunity and you think, oh, dear God, how could that happen? What are you going to do when you see injustice that Monica read about in the Scripture earlier? What are you going to do when you see all these things begin to come to pass? Lift up your heads, for your redemption draws nigh. Be tested and yet be overcomers because God, God promises that when division tries to come, we must pass the test of standing faithfully and God will see that and cause us to move with him into the new. God of peace is still in control. The God of peace still has his plan, and the God of peace still has his people. So on this day when we celebrate the great liberties that we have been given here as Americans, and we speak about out of many, one, the enemy would want to make out of many chaos, that there can be no one that there can be no accord, that there can be no miracle promise of God, that there can be none of that. We, we all came into this place and we've got our people and your people. It's just one people. Last time I was in prayer and the Lord let me recognize being up before the throne, I didn't see. The only colors I saw were the colors of His Spirit. And, and I believe that there is going to be such a move of the Spirit across this land. And, and one of the driving forces is going to be, as we've said many, many times, the African-American church. And God is going to cause brothers and sisters to come together, which we already are enjoying amongst the saints' network, even now and have been. What the enemy has tried to do, God is going to turn it for the good. So when division comes in, the, in the, the scope that we see it throughout our country and in the scope that we see it trying to assert itself across the nations, we should rejoice because division in this way always is the precursor 
to a tremendous move of grace and to a tremendous move of God's Spirit. That's what we're believing for. So out of the many, we become one before the Father through Jesus Christ our Lord. Out of the many countries, out of the many people groups, out of the many languages, the very motto of this country says, out of many, one. And we're seeing that happen. And I stand here today testifying about that, but I also, again, want to thank the Lord that he has given us incredible new equipment, and he's going to use that in a way beyond anything we've seen to touch these nations and to mobilize the saints. The day is still upon us. There's much work to be done. The night is coming, but it ain't here yet. So we've got to move. And we're not dissuaded by division. We must remember out of many one. And we must know that what God said, he's going to be faithful to do. Amen? Amen. And I'm just very grateful. I mean, I have an affinity for the French people. Our brothers and sisters are our first allies from France and the Western European countries and in the countries in Africa. But, you know, when I read about how that it was a Frenchman who first did this, a Frenchman that believed in dreams and visions and seeking after God first said this, and then as they prayed in Philadelphia, in the back streets of Philadelphia, and they said, you must have, you must have in your motto. <laughs> the Latin phrase, e pluribus unum, and that was put in there by the insistence of a Frenchman. I just think it's very interesting that these many hundreds of years later, that God unites us once again with our brothers and sisters in France, but those in Brazil, those in Mexico, those in Eastern Europe, those in so many places, and the list expands. Only God can do that. But we must be really wise as we see the divisions the enemy is trying to sow to know that this is just a failed attempt to stop the grace of God that is going to sweep across this country and the world. We as saints need to continue to believe for that because it is going to be. And it, when's it going to happen? Soon. Soon is not the time. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I've told that story before. Soon is not a time. Uh, we, were, we were in London and we were speaking at a, a Congolese church. And we went afterwards to eat late at night at the home of the pastor. He was a chef at a hotel there in London. And he was carrying a, a goat's leg that he was then going to cook and we were going to eat it. Well, one of his relatives was sitting at the table, a young girl, and she had been dating this guy for a long time. And so they started doing what families sometimes do, asking them when they were going to get married. And the young man said, soon. And almost in unison, everybody else at the table would say, soon is not a time. <laughs> soon is not a time. Well, for God, soon is a time. And uh, he's got it all in control, but we've just got to keep believing in your personal life and in the things that God has given us, because the God of peace 
Don't tell no lies. Now, that should have been the title of the sermon. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your wonderful, wonderful spirit that is so evident in this house and in our hearts. We thank you for the freedoms that you've given to us here in the United States of America. And we speak, Father, that we speak that your grace is moving across this land and that everything you've promised will be and we will see the hand of our Lord move in dynamic ways. We hold fast to your promise and we continue to believe that what you have said is already true and will be manifested as you said in Zechariah, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid these stones and they will also finish it. We believe that as saints. What a privilege to partner with you. We speak your blessing over this nation. We speak your blessing that you are guiding the affairs of this land. And whatever the enemy attempts to do will not succeed but it will only serve as fertilize for the growing of your trees of righteousness. And we thank you for your blessing. And I speak blessing over this church family and all the celebrations and the wonderful things that we will enjoy through your for your providence through today and tomorrow. Be with us, Father. Keep us. And we thank you. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, happy 4th. God bless you all. And um, that's it.